Assalamualaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq el and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM. We're also streaming at WCEV1450.com. We'd like to thank our sponsors of today's program, IFN and ICN, IFN, that is Islamic Foundation North, and ICN, Islamic Center of Naperville. Thank you very much for your support. Now, if you have not already done so, make sure that you are following us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you'll find us at Radio Islam USA. And use that same username to find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn, just to name a few. And you'll find us, so subscribe, rate, review, and share. Okay, I have to wish all of my beloved brothers and sisters, those of you who are observing this beautiful and blessed month of Ramadan, Ramadan Mubarak, uh, and this is a it's a special month uh, for a number of reasons. It's not just a month of fasting and prayer, but it is also a month of action. And I think I can say on the whole, I'm safe in saying that Muslims do more and give more during this blessed month of Ramadan than at any other time of the year. Now, according to a recent press release from the UN Refugee Agency, Muslims pay around $76 billion in zakat each year. Now, joining us on the phone from Dubai is Shadi Gurawi. He is the UN Refugee Agency Private Sector Partnerships Officer of Islamic Philanthropy, and he is a seasoned fundraiser and partnership specialist with 14 years of experience in financial resource mobilization for nonprofits. He led Greenpeace Mediterranean's fundraising operations in Lebanon from 2005 to 2010 and has been with UNHCR, and if you don't know what that means, that is the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees uh, since 2011. So we welcome him to the program. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, having me with you today. Oh, it, it is our pleasure. Now, one of the things that your uh, press release also mentioned was uh, talked about making that giving, making that zakat even more effective through a game-changing structure. And maybe I'm starting off in the middle as opposed to the beginning, uh, but please do tell us exactly what we're, um, what that press release was about and what this new uh, initiative is going to do. Uh, sure. Uh, first of all, I would like to uh, wish uh, Ramadan uh, Kareem to all those who are uh, celebrating it. And uh, actually, on the uh, 25th of uh, last month, we launched the UNHCR first annual Zakat report, um, which also included the launch of the Refugee Zakat Fund. The fund is a trusted, efficient, and a pioneering structure that aims at harnessing the power of the cap to benefit the most vulnerable refugees worldwide. So um, UNHCR started to uh, pilot uh, receiving the cap funds and distributing them to uh, eligible uh, families back in uh, 2016. And uh, the fund um, now this year comes as the end uh, result of uh, UN and HCR's experience with the CAT funds. Basically, back in 2016, we uh, received five fatwas 
that uh, allow the organization to um, receive and to uh, distribute Zakat funds given two main uh, conditions that uh, we make sure uh, to meet. The okay. first one is the fact that uh, the beneficiaries of, uh, of the Zakat uh, funds have to be one of the eight beneficiary categories of Zakat that are mentioned in Surat uh, Al-Tawbah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second one um, is the fact that UNHCR is not allowed to uh, deduct any overhead costs from the uh, Zakat funds that it actually uh, receives. So uh, based on the fatwa, we started to pilot uh, Zakat giving, as I said, back in 2016, and we were uh, strictly earmarking the funds for the most vulnerable uh, Syrian uh, refugee families in uh, Jordan. And then in uh, 2018, we um, expanded the benefit of the program to include uh, refugees in uh, Lebanon. And then um, this year, we have evolved the program into the Refugee Zakat Fund that considers the needs of the most vulnerable refugee and also internally displaced families in uh, Jordan, Lebanon, Iraq, Yemen, Egypt, and also Mauritania. And of course, we are looking at also other countries where we could potentially make use of uh, the cash funds to help uh, the most vulnerable uh, displaced families. Okay. So I'm pleasantly surprised to hear that you're also servicing refugees in Mauritania. Uh, that is not a population or demographic that gets a lot of attention, particularly here in the United States of America. Can you tell us a bit about some of those refugee populations that you're going to be serving? Uh, and, and how are they serviced? How do those funds reach them? Yes, uh, for sure. I mean, uh, as you have said, the Mauritania is not particularly a top-of-mind country when we are actually talking about refugees. But the fact is there is basically a considerable uh, Malayan population that have actually fled a few years back from uh, Mali to Mauritania. And uh, most of them are um, are actually staying in, uh, in a camp that is quite uh, close to the borders. It's called the uh, Mbera camp. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, as you have said, it's actually a population that does not get uh, a lot of, um, a lot of, let's say, attention from uh, donors uh, worldwide. And what we wanted to do with the, uh, with our Zakat program is to also include populations that are not quite highlighted in the media, and we know for a fact that they have certain uh, needs. So um, uh, UNHCR manages the camp and uh, provides different services, uh, whether it's, for example, uh, shelter, education, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the Zakat funds that are received by the Organization for uh, Refugees in uh, Mauritania are, are uh, strictly earmarked for what, uh, what we call our cash assistance uh, program, which actually supports the most vulnerable of these Malayan families that are staying in the camp with some cash that they can um, make make uh, use of to uh, go by on a monthly basis. Mm. Now, so is the the resources that they're getting, the, the money, they're, they're getting directly, they're receiving the money that has been donated, uh, given in Zakat, it's, it's going directly to them. 
for them to determine how they're going to uh, to spend. Is is that correct? Yes, uh, correct. And this is actually the case with um, most of our cash uh, programs that we channel the CAD funding through. Uh, is that the element that makes this particular program different uh, than others? Or, or is there another element to it? Yeah. Um, so, uh, as you have said, there is the structure. Um, there's the fact that we have the fatwas in uh, place, and we are ensuring that uh, the program is actually Sharia compliant mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the collection of the funds and also the uh, distribution uh, of the funds as well. Um, uh, we we are also using uh, technology whenever we can when it comes to the collection and also the distribution of funds. So, uh, for example, uh, whoever uh, would like to donate to the program can go to uh, zakat.unhcr.org and can make and can actually choose uh, the population that they would like to support and can make uh, uh, can make uh, a direct zakat contribution that will be. Uh, that will be de uh, dedicated 100% uh, percent to uh, the population that they would like to serve. This is actually one of, uh, 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 let's say, uh, the perks that actually uh, the program has. So we follow a 100% Zakat policy, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and this is based on the uh, recommendation of, of the Vatwa. Uh, the organization has a standard um, minimal overhead cost that applies to all of the donations that uh, that it actually uh, uh, receives. However, we have exceptionally um, waived uh, that overhead uh, percentage, which is which usually start, uh, stands at uh, at around seven. Um, for so we have waived that for uh, the CAD fund. One more um, important uh, aspect that I would like to highlight about the program mm -hmm. is the use of technology in the distribution of the funds. For example, in uh, Jordan, we use the iris scan uh, technology for people who are basically uh, receiving the funds. So uh, the beneficiaries um, receive each month a text message that informs them about the availability of these funds. And all they have to do is go to the nearest ATM that is actually equipped with the iris scanner, mm -hmm. and they just have to do the scanning, and then they will get the cash that has been that has been basically assigned to, to them. Now, are these iris scanners, ATM-equipped scanners, are these on the premises of the camps, or are they, or do they have to go elsewhere? They have to find them. Yeah, that's actually a very uh, good point. So uh, in uh, Jordan, I would say that approximately only 20% of the refugee population is uh, staying within a camp, while the remaining 80% are, are actually living in uh, different uh, towns and uh, villages. So the program particularly is targeting those who are not living in the camp because they are actually the bigger population that has the that has the most needs, uh, which means that they also have access to these uh, ATMs versus, of course, those who are staying in the cap and they don't necessarily have the access to this kind of, let's say, infrastructure. 
I, I hope this clarifies the situation. Basically, in, in, I mean, yeah. in Jordan, Lebanon, and Egypt, among few other countries around the world, I think there's the, there's the misconception that uh, most refugees are staying in camps, but the reality is that most refugees are not. However, the media tends to um, highlight the camps, probably because it's more appealing from a visual uh, perspective, but we also focus on um, refugees that, that are staying outside uh, outside camps because their needs are normally higher. Mm-hmm. So kind of just playing it back, looking at the, uh, the role that technology plays here. So everybody that's that's going to receive funds, these are all people that have, everybody has mobile access. Now, is that something that they get on their own, or is that also something that uh, the UNHCR, uh, that, that you provide for them? Um, in uh, places like uh, Jordan, um, we do have actually a partnership with uh, one of the telecom uh, providers that uh, gave refugees uh, a few years back when they actually fled from uh, Syria uh, a special SIM card that, number one, does not expire, and number two, it also allows uh, refugees to make certain um, free or discounted calls back to uh, Syria. And, 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 and this, I mean, this kind of SIM, of course, allows, allows them to stay basically connected with us, with their own uh, community, and, of course, with the larger host uh, community as well. Hmm. Now, when it comes to dispersing those funds, how is that uh, calculated? Um, is it by region? Is it by uh, circumstance? Uh, what What are the factors? Does everybody get the same thing? Uh, so the the amount of funds that is received by the beneficiaries varies from one country to the other mm-hmm. and of course it depends on the on the economical situation in the country um, and uh, and also on the on the uh, vulnerability of uh, of the family so for example in a place like uh, like uh, like uh, Lebanon mm-hmm. um, we uh, give out flat rates per month and it's approximately around uh, $175 per family per month. In uh, Jordan, the amount varies a little bit from one family to the other based on the vulnerability, which could include, for example, the number of the family uh, members and so forth, but the average also stands at around um, $180. And of course, I mean, for the rest of the countries, each one of them has a specific figure that is in line with uh, the specifics uh, of the country where the refugees are uh, staying right now. Okay. All right. And and you just rolled this program out following the fatwas. And what is the expectation for the number of, of people that you're hoping to be able to help? Yeah. So we have uh, rolled out uh, the fund or the refugees, the CAT fund uh, this year, and we are um, hoping to be able to help approximately 24,000 families of the most vulnerable uh, refugee and internally uh, displaced people 
in the world. And uh, this is part of a larger number of families that uh, the organization can uh, can support through the CAT fund. So, for example, this year, the refugee, the CAT fund has the capacity to help up to uh, 150,000 families worldwide. Mm. However, um, uh, for the month of Ramadan, we have launched a global campaign where we are actually reaching out to uh, the Muslims of the world and we are asking them to remember refugees in their uh, prayers and to remember them with their zakat as well. And we are hoping, inshallah, to receive um, approximately $26 million that is sufficient to support the most vulnerable 24,000 families over a period of one year. Mm, mashallah. Well, thank you so much, um, Shadi. Would you please tell our listeners where they can go again to to donate and to and, and to learn more about this wonderful program. For sure, uh, please visit the cat. Um, you can learn more about the programs, the fatwas, and the one hundred percent the cat policy that we actually follow. And you can choose to channel your zakat to uh, the refugee or the displaced population that you would like to help, whether it's in uh, Jordan, Lebanon, Iraq, Yemen, Egypt, or uh, Mauritania. And I would like to thank everyone uh, advance for considering to support refugees with their uh, zakat. Okay, alhamdulillah. Well, thank you so much. Folks, that was Shadi Grawi. Uh, he is the UN Refugee Agency Private Sector Partnerships Officer of Islamic Philanthropy. So you have that info. Uh, please do support. Get those blessings. So, folks, we're going to take a short break, but we will be back in a moment. This is Radio Islam on WCEV 1450 AM.